Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. What I should do really is go like, this is my work days. These are my days off. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out into the world and I don't have to see people, but like I should go and Experience. do stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then have the work time. But what I actually end up doing is feeling like every single day I should be working, some days not working and feeling really guilty about it. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Balancing Acts. In this conversation, I am joined by the very talented multi-hyphenate actor, writer and director, Emily Seal-Jones. Hi, this is Steve Whiteley, comedian, actor, filmmaker and writer, all-round ADHD creative. And welcome to my new podcast, Balancing Acts, where I talk to an array of creatives ranging from comedians, actors, directors, all sorts. And we talk about how they find a sense of balance or not between their creative lives and their everyday lives and how that has an impact on their mental health and beyond. Balancing Acts is now made in association with The Comedy Crowd, who are a website and community that support independent comedy creators such as myself. I have a Comedy Crowd short, which is a a two-minute video, one of my characters on their website. They showcase the best new videos on Comedy Crowd TV, which is comedycrowdtv.com, and across media platforms, so do go and check them out. Emily started acting from a young age, training at North London Performing Arts School, at the age of 14, but it wasn't long before she had the urge to direct. She talks about how a comment from a pesky ex-boyfriend stopped her from pursuing becoming a writer-director. But when she did finally make the jump and started writing, things progressed very quickly. She describes how learning the Meisner technique as an actor helped her connect with other performers, both from the perspective of being an actor and later as a director and, and writing. We talk about her writing, directing and starring in the web series Frankie and Emma, which ultimately led to her getting signed to an agent. And uh, we cover her writing and directing her debut short and then getting her online series commission Brunch Bitches with Comedy Central, which ultimately led to it being broadcast on Funny or Die and led to another series commission. Emily also breaks down the whole development process. She explains why she can't write at home, uh, which I also find tricky. The isolation, man. You start writing in the morning and then before you know it, it's dark and you haven't been outside or spoken to one living being. We also discuss whether being on social media is essential for your career or is it just something we're just 
convince ourselves we should be doing. Oh, we also compare our respective aunt and uncle duties, and it turns out we both suck. Uh, lots here to enjoy Emily is great and funny and talented and you will love her oh I should also say there is um, there's, a, there's a fair bit of jesting going on as we are we are friends so I, I should make that clear and um, there might be certain points where it could be interpreted as me potentially being uh, I wouldn't say rude but maybe you might interpret that but really it's just a sign of affection that's that's what it is just just jokes all around jokes all around so over to M. Early. I have a special way of making my guests feel comfortable. Um, I hope you appreciate the the manner in which I've gone about doing that, Emily Seal Jones. Do not. Do not. I don't. What? Appreciate it. Okay, okay. Let's start again. We got off on the wrong foot. Okay, let's go. Let's go again. Emily, how are you? So good to see you. It's great to see you too, Steve. Fantastic to have you here on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You've just been to the dentist and I've just noticed your teeth are looking very white. No, they are. They are looking really white. Have you... <laughs> did you... Was it a hygienist or was it a dentist as well? It was a dentist and hygienist. Okay. I hadn't been to the dentist in two years. That's a long time. It is, but I was told that I didn't need to see her for another two years, so... Okay, is that well. because you had a uh, bad chat during... No. No? It's because I am stellar at maintaining my teeth. Do you floss every day? Yes. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, me too. It's not often you come across a fellow daily flosser. Yeah, well, I never asked anyone, so... Never asked anyone if they <laughs> floss? <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> You're missing out. I disagree. No? It's, uh, it's a good workout. Flossing. Yeah, it's it's an actual workout on the forearms and a bit of the wrist. I guess, yeah. Yeah. That's why I've got such epic wrists. <laughs> so, how are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm real good, you know? London. London. You dirty city. Ah, uh, yeah. Do you like to get out of London often? Um, I'd like to get out of London more often than I do. How often do you get out of London? I would say once every two months I leave London. Yeah. I feel like it's just like the weekends come around and you're like, oh, shit, I haven't organised anything. Yeah. And it's like you have to really plan to do something outside of London. Yeah. If I'm honest with you, I wasn't talking about other parts of the UK because I don't love them. Either. <laughs> so you meant just leaving the UK. <laughs> Okay, okay. Yeah. So where would be your pit stop? If you were just going away for a weekend, where would it be? Oof, a weekend? No. No, no, no. Okay. I wouldn't... You wouldn't go short. outside? No. Where would I go? But you said I you go... somewhere in Europe. But you said you go out every two months, right? You get out every two months. Yeah, that was probably a massive exaggeration. Just like the one about you saying you floss every day. No, I floss every day. You do floss every I day. I do floss every day. True. How often I get out of London, lie. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, this is, we're off to a flying start. We're off to a flying start here. Um, let's rewind a little bit. So you are what is known in the industry these days as a multi-hyphenate. Yeah. You're an actor, <clears throat> a writer, director. Am I missing out anything? No. That's it? Yeah. Okay. Any plans to add on? 
What would I add on? I don't know. I don't know. Stand up. Oh, Comedian. I wish. Would you like to do it? Big time. So why don't that's you... That's like, I think it's the coolest thing ever. So why don't you do it? Oh, you know. I think you'd be good at it. Awkward. So Exactly. Awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd have like your awkward shtick going on. Yeah. That's the thing. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like you have to be able to write for comedy stand-up in a specific way that I don't know anything about. Okay. Like, technically, you know. Yeah, but the only way you would learn that is by doing it. Yes. Correct. <laughs> and it's, it does take a lot of time and effort. It yeah, does although require... Alex did it. Yes. Successfully. Yeah. And she... Sorry, just for the listeners who don't know who Alex is, <laughs> should, we, should we explain the connection? I'm just going to put your volume up just a little bit. Um, so that's how we know each other. Alex is, is my ex-girlfriend and your best friend. Mm. And I think the proof of being um, a good guy is when you can maintain <laughs> friendships with your ex's friends. Wouldn't you agree? When you, it's, the proof of being a good guy is when you reach out to your ex's friend and invite them on your podcast and they say yes. Yeah, to be fair, no, that is, yeah, that is, that's legit. Like that's... there are tons of exes that I would not go and hang out with. Okay. Yours? Oh, you mean... Oh, uh, Alex's. Yeah, okay, fine, fine. Okay, tons. I mean, how much, how much you had? <laughs> okay, so you are an actor, a writer, and a director, and you missed out a flosser. I missed out a flosser. Yeah. A flosser as well. Yes. Flossing not just with your teeth, but just being an Mind. all-round baller. Yes. Yeah, okay, good. It's a thing? Yeah, big hip, time. Hip-hop term? Flossing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. I know. Yeah, okay, great. What came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> what came first, acting, writing, or directing? Or was it all three at once? You were just like, I'm going to do them all. No, you can't do that as a young girl. There's no hope. Okay. You don't, it's not, I didn't think that that was a thing. Okay. I started Is... out doing acting. Okay. Is that because at the time there was no uh, female role models doing that exact thing and over time there has been and so it became more of a realistic option? Yes. Okay. Um, and the first time I suggested doing writing and acting and directing was probably when I was like 20. Okay. And the guy I was... Which is young. That is like... That's like a young age to... Think about doing all those things. Well, yeah, but I had been acting since I was 14. Child actor. Well, I went to like North London Performing Arts School in North London yeah. on the weekends. So okay, it wasn't really a child actor situation. Um, and then my ex had been like at 20 was like, oh, you can't do all of those at the same time. And did you just listen to him? Of course. I was in a very upsetting relationship. Oh, dear. <laughs> And where is <laughs> and, and is he now aware? Oh is is he aware of all your all I your career know. shenanigans? I stopped talking to him the second I broke up with him and blocked him from everything. Okay, so he he can't follow you on social media. No. Okay, well, if you are listening, go f yourself. Yes, and uh, Emily Seal Jones is a multi hyphenate actor, writer, director, and flosser. There is no stopping her. Yeah, she has not been stopped by you. 
and she will continue to thrive. I was temporarily stopped by him. (laughs) She was temporarily stopped by you, but she is now thriving. Okay, so 20 years old, you decide to act and write direct. He tells you not to. So how long did that put you off for? Uh, Well, so I kept on writing for myself. Was he an actor as well? Director. Director. And writer. A controlling director. Controlling person. Um... So I, so I carried on writing. I actually, one of the first things that I wrote was about, um, like a pilot about my friendship group. Okay. So Alex was in there. This isn't, okay, this is, remind me which project this is. You won't. You, you don't you, know. You, <laughs> you won't know. <laughs> you, you wouldn't you know about it. You, you don't go that far <laughs> into the vaults. No, I literally wrote it. I've got it on my laptop. I wrote it for me. Okay, so you, you didn't shoot it. No, no. Fine. No. Okay. Well, okay. I couldn't at the time because, you know, because of my ex. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You weren't allowed. Okay, fine. So you wrote, <laughs> you wrote it in a dark cellar when he, he wasn't in. Yeah, I okay? wrote it. Yeah. With just lit by candle. Yeah. And tears. Yeah. Well, no, the tears would put the candle out. Reflected it. Okay. So. All right. Okay. So then. And then, and then I, um, and then, so I just continued to act. I was at, uh. Lee Strasberg Theatre and Film Institute doing method acting. Yeah. How did you find method acting? I found it very helpful. Caveat that by saying I did uh, Meisner beforehand. So I think if I'd just done method, I'd be, it would not have been that helpful because it's very insular and it's very... Very what? So <laughs> you can't you can't mouth it. You can't look at me and mouth it because none of the listeners will 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 appreciate that. Shall I repeat what you mouth? Uh, yeah. It's very self-involved. It can be. Okay. It can. I found it to be potentially self-involved. Okay, I'm gonna. I want, I just want to put this mic more to you because yeah, there we go. Um, and if I hadn't done Meisner, I wouldn't have had the importance on like the connection with the other people in the scene. Okay. And I'd have probably have just spiraled into my own world. So, so Meisner's like, you're holding a cup. I'm holding a cup. You're holding a cup. I'm holding a cup. Yeah. At, it, at its most most basic form. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That's it. Did an old uh, Meisner workshop. Repetition yeah. exercise. Yeah, that's bloody boring, isn't it? Well, no. See. <laughs> what did you enjoy about Meisner? <laughs> Well, I did it for a year and a half. Okay, just repeating stuff. You like go to different levels of that, but that's the foundation. And okay. yeah, and I found it really, really incredible. Actually, for all of my creative um, endeavors. Really? In that, yeah, it was like, all it is is focusing on someone else. So it's not about you. Okay. And how that person affects you okay. and what you see in yourself, but from another person as opposed to like trying to find it in yourself and I had a lot of trouble when I was younger that the only way for acting the only way that I could summon emotion that was like you know crying or freaking out or anything like that was going really really like on my own in a room and hyping myself up and like doing all that stuff on my own and then coming out and just sort of doing it at whoever was in the scene with me yeah and what I found from doing Meisner was like actually it's all there in you and you just have to relax and focus on something else and it will just come up and it will be there. Okay. And so, and and that was dope. And then also it helped with writing and directing actors because it's it took the sort of pressure that I had inbuilt f- from an early age 
of acting of like oh you got to deliver there has to be so much intense you have to deliver it yeah whereas it's like actually you can turn up obviously once you've done the work and just do it and it will happen you can chill out and i'm sure it also gives you a deep connection to the the actors that you're directing on set having gone through that training yourself totally yeah yeah it does okay so meisner yeah and then okay and then so what was the point where you like you it was a turning point and decided right, I'm going to direct my first thing now. So when I was, so I moved back from the States, moved back from LA, come back to London, was like, oh, I need to get an agent. So I put on a play with a friend who I'd gone to drama school with in London, like when I was 18. Yeah. And literally called him up and was like, let's do a play together. And then we put it on in East London and in, at the gatehouse. Yeah. And, um, I got an agent, started doing auditions, got a couple films, and then had three months, four months over a summer where I had nothing to do. And I was living in the Isle of Wight at the time. And I knew so I'd be there spend for time outside of the It UK. was the worst time of my <laughs> life. <laughs> um, you go to festival. <laughs> no, I didn't fucking go to festival. I did one one festival and that I was in bed for the next two weeks after. I've never been to a music festival. Have you not? No. Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> As you were. Honest. Um, so I had these three months and I was like, okay, well, I want to do something. So I wrote Frankie and Emma, yeah. which was the comedy, ended up being web series, but I'd written it as a pilot. Mm-hmm. And... Um, then was like, okay, cool. I want to make this. So I was like, I'll do the Kickstarter and then I'll direct it. Cause I was just sort of trying to get it done. So I was just doing everything and it didn't really, I didn't really think like, oh, I'm now going to be a director as well. I just directed it because I was there yeah. and I knew the work and I knew how I wanted, I was working with my other best friend who I know very well. And I didn't really want an outside director coming and fucking with our chi. Yeah. Because that's kind of all the show was, is our chemistry. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and that's when I, yeah, first started directing. And then I was like, oh, hello. Yeah. You tasty mistress. It's a vibe, isn't it? It's a thing. (laughs) It's pretty serious. Yeah. 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 And then the the controlling beast in you came out. And it was like, I was was already a control freak. Pretending somewhere to not be this control freak. Evidently I was. Yeah. And then that happened, I was like, right, well, obviously. And actually, I've never said this to anyone, let alone recorded, but if I'm completely honest, acting was like, it's it's something that I definitely love doing. Directing is natural to me. I completely concur. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Yeah. Like acting, I have to work at it, yeah. unless, unless I'm directing myself. If I'm doing myself, I know exactly what I want. Yeah. It, it depends. Sometimes if it's comedy, it depends what it is. But yeah, I agree with directing. You just, when you're in the flow, it's just great, isn't it? Yeah. Like the general of the army. Yeah. Going to battle. Yeah. And everyone's like, what, what do you want to do? And you're like, I want to do this. Yeah. And they're like, okay. Oh no, that was a bad look. <laughs> <laughs> I've revealed a very unattractive part of my personality. Okay, so just to rewind, what? How much were you trying to? How much 
were you aiming to raise on Kickstarter and how much did you end up raising? 10K, 10K. Wow, that's amazing because yeah. it's not easy to raise. So, I mean, that in itself is almost like a full-time endeavor. Did, yes. How did you like pimp it out there? Like the, oh, how did the, I, kick, did the Kickstarter oh, so campaign? So I, I did like what, so I can never do Kickstarter again because okay. for Frankie and Emma, I absolutely rinsed everybody I know in my life family that, members people I feel like you've got like one shot totally at a personal project yeah, because you you're using all your friends and family that. yeah unless yeah. you've got a fan base sure yeah which I did you're on not. your way to yeah yeah I don't know why I looked over there there's nothing to look at <laughs> sometimes, I, coming at me? <laughs> sometimes I wish these interviews sh- they should be filmed because they're, yeah yeah anyway you okay how to put people on edge <laughs> You are sitting on the edge of the sofa, to be fair. So, yeah, figuratively and metaphorically. Physically, yeah. yeah. So, okay, so you you, you raised 10K, which is awesome. Mm. And were you, like, really detailed in that Kickstarter campaign? Like, this is what we're going to use it for. Or were you like, I'm going to make a film? I was like, I'm going to make a pilot and I'm going to send it to these people and these people who, you know... So you didn't break it down like, we're going to have X amount for our cast, X amount for art direction. No, no okay. <laughs> you were just like super, super lazy with it. You know what's really funny is that I got that number, that 10K number from a director friend of my mum's. And when, when I then spoke to her later on, after Frankie and Emma was done, she was like, why did you ask for 10K? That's such a specific <laughs> random number. And I was like, you said that. And she was like, I don't remember saying that. And I think she'd just sort of been saying in passing like, oh, pilots usually cost. And she was probably talking about on a really like real level, okay. not on a like Kickstarter level. Right. So, so we, did you use the whole 10K or yeah. are you still living off it now? <laughs> Five years later. So I only eat nuts. Um, Cashew. Yeah, we used all of the 10K. We got a freaking low loader for for a driving scene. So okay. blasted it. Nice. And how, <laughs> how many days was the shoot? It was five. Five days. Okay. Yeah. So you did that and then you got the whole thing edited and you didn't release it online straight away, did you? No. So what I did with the initially was send it out to production companies all of which were like the ones who were kind enough to respond to me were like yeah we don't really this isn't how we work you don't just send like a finished pilot that you did without any of our input is that what they said release it yeah Yeah. i mean that was the lines it's like yeah this isn't and i was sort of like oh that makes sense obviously if i was a production company um and then i was like oh this won't see the light of day unless I make it uh, a YouTube series because otherwise, what platform am I supposed to get that kind of content out on? And so we did a couple of reshoots in order to make the series kind of be bite-sized. Um, and and then I put it on YouTube. Okay, and what was the response like? I mean, each episode has tops 400 views. But from that, I got, from Frankie and Emma, I got my agent. Yeah. Who we, who our we, agent. Our agent, actually, we share. Our Matthew. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a picture of him framed on my lounge. <laughs> yes, Matthew. Um, and I got, well, I ultimately got the BBC connection. Great. That's the thing. Like, sometimes you can put something out there and get really dismayed because it gets not, you know, it doesn't get loads of views. And even stuff that's, like, really well made. Like, yeah. You know, Frankie Mebber was, like, it was... It was 
really high, high production. Yeah, high quality, high production value. Yeah. But sometimes the views aren't everything. People will appreciate for what it is and not necessarily go, oh, well, it hasn't got 10,000 views. Like, you know, that's a prime example of you putting it out there and still lo- you're getting loads of results off the back of it. Yeah, yeah. Thank which you, is great. Steve. Yeah, thank that you. was that was me being genuinely oh okay genuinely supportive. Oh, thank you, Steve. Okay, let's uh, just resume back to our sarcastic roles. It's very um, uncomfortable when you're genuinely supportive. Why <laughs> I? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, you made that part of shit, and then um, after <laughs> after after that, yes, yeah, after that, you that. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's what I was going to go on to. Uh, brunch Bitches. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. So that came out on YouTube. Then you got you got the agent. And then tell us about the BBC thing. Okay, so... Well, so I did Frank and Emma. And then I did Husk, which was a short film. A short film that you did, wrote and directed. Wrote and directed. And that wasn't a comedy. Was not a comedy. It was no. about suicide. Yeah. And that went around the festival circuit. did really well. Mm-hmm. And then... After that, the festival. Sorry, just to interrupt that. Yeah, the festival circuit, short film festival circuit. That in itself is like a whole another beast. Like, oh, so time consuming. Oh yeah. And did you do that yourself? You just sent out all the the films out to all the festivals, and then they ask all the bloody assets, and that's that's long. Did all that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and so that was also part of me signing with Matthew was was getting the agent was having like not just one item, showing that I could do other stuff. Okay. Um, he and, he requested that from you. Well, you... no, he he. I think it helped that I had that. I had that yes. before I met him. Yeah. Okay. And so then I, um, after that, how I got into the BBC Writers Retreat, mm-hmm. they had seen it. So so I guess BBC Talent Works was scouting for comic writers mm-hmm. on YouTube, and they invited me along with seven other people to go to. What's it called? It's called like Born Bournewood, Born House. It's in Kent. Okay. And it's this like estate where they you have your rooms and you stay there for like four days and they Sounds feed you. Fancy. And well it's like it's like it's like you focus and you do that. We we were starting at ten and finishing at like eight, nine o'clock at night. Wow, just writing. Were you given specific tasks? So it wasn't so usually when they do those writers retreat, my understanding is that they get writers that they've been with for a while to come and either come up with a um idea or to actually get a script finished by the end of the allotted time however with us it was like the first time they'd done this kind of like well we want to reach out to young creators multi-hyphenates yeah and um we want to just start a relationship with them essentially so we actually, what we had was loads of different people coming in and talking to us and showing us what they do. And so like, we had like the commissioner of BBC Sounds come in and talk about podcasts and talk about that kind of stuff. And then at the end, we met all the commissioners of BBC. So like the comedy and the drama and the films um, and the podcasting people. And it was kind of just like this four day taster of everything BBC and at the end meeting them and kind of being like, oh, okay, cool. And then it was it was sort of like, oh, at the end of it. But then since then, it's been like this relationship that has been nurtured and been really lovely. That is awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay, so that. And then uh, I mentioned brunch, brunch Bitches. Yeah. Do you want to mention that that whole yeah. project and how that came about and, and what the end result was? Yeah. So basically, I wanted to do a sketch show 
Oh no, that's not how it came about. So oh, this is how it came about. So I had a four episode deal with Comedy Central. How did that come about? Matthew. Okay. Just agent, just, yeah. Just introduce you to them. Introduce me to, yeah, the, the Comedy Central lady. And she, we, at the next time she had like a slate of people she could get, I was one of them. And this is online, Comedy Central. This was online, Digital, yeah. 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 And so I had this idea called Brunch Bitches but it was actually way more narrative and less sketch show. But what me and Claire were trying to do at the time was get something that essentially I think probably would have lived on a 25 minute lifespan Mm -hmm. into a five minute episode on web. And it wasn't quite working. So I did these four episodes, handed them in, and then thought I'm going to do what I think it should be on my own yeah, and send it to Claire and see. And that way, if she doesn't like it, she hasn't put any money into it. She doesn't have to worry about it. Claire at Comedy Central. Yeah. Right. Um, So I got Nance together again and my mate- Nancy, who was in Frankie and Emma. Yeah. Yep. And my mate Josh, who has his own production company. And we literally had three of us and a sound guy and went and shot in various places in Crouch End. These little sketches- that had the common theme of brunch and edited that together, sent to Claire. She was like, no, well, no, Claire left. And then the person who took a position was like, no, um, it's a bit too risky for mm-hmm. Comedy Central. And so then I was like, oh, and then I thought funny or die. And then got introduced to them via Matthew. Um, <laughs> Matthew listens to this, he's going to be like, I made Emily's career, which in a way, Matthew, you did. I'm still waiting for you to break <laughs> my mate. Um, so I was out in LA and I met the guy who did the who was head of the web stuff at Funny or Die. Mm-hmm. That show had been passed around their office in advance of me getting there, okay. and they were like, "Yeah, we're going to feature it." And also, have you got any other ideas? I was like, "Yeah." Pinched pitched them this show idea called Thank Fuck for Tinder. Yeah. And um, we we're going to be shooting that with you. Fantastic! When are we shooting that, mate? Am I right? Yeah. Have you got that? No, genuinely. Have you got a date for it? Not yet. Okay. All right. Okay. So the point is, <laughs> you would know the the point. <laughs> speak to my people, <clears throat> our, our joint agent. <laughs> uh, the point is, is that what I like about this is having gone from being in a position where you were just acting. And the idea of you wanted to write and direct, but you were, you know, it's sometimes it's not even boyfriends. It can be so many people around you who they might think at the time are doing you like a good turn by saying to you, oh, no, just focus on acting. It's unrealistic to Mm. do other things. You know, that takes a lot of strength, I think, to just like push past that. But from you making that decision and dedicating yourself to then writing and directing, like everything accelerated super quick. Yeah. Yeah, Once yeah. you really made a decision and yeah. you just focused. Yeah. Because I remember before when you were going through that period when you were acting and you were trying to move more into writing directing and then, you know, there's that period where it's yeah. like, what's, ha- what's happening? Yeah, yeah, which is really tough. Yeah. Because you're questioning, like, have I made the right decision? Yeah, yeah, should I have spent that time that I did doing this actually just sticking to the acting thing? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, totally, and also it's not at all ex-boyfriends. I mean, I think a huge part of, the whole situation was that at that time when I was younger, I didn't have belief in myself. 
Yeah. Which, and then I got it. I got older and I was like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Well, and why do you think well, does that, do you think that was literally because you just gained experience in, in the industry or... No, or I do you think do like more internal work on yourself? I haven't done that much, internal yeah. work on myself. It was more like, it's really hard to explain, but it's more like when I was younger, I was really, 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 really self-conscious and just was kind of like a reflection of everything around me. Okay. And then I, I think time and trauma happened and I was like, oh, fuck this. No one cares about this except for me. Like no one cares what I do except for me. Right. So I might as well be doing exactly what I want to do because no one else is experiencing this. Okay. And so then that was it. That was a turning point for you. Yeah. Great. And so now you're doing writing, directing and acting. So what, 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 what on the acting side of things, did you, you just park it in terms of like stop going for auditions and that side of thing and just decided to focus on your own projects and then, you know, cast yourself in it if you thought it was a, a, appropriate? Yeah. I mean, I, just before I started writing and directing i'd done these three films one of them was my brother's film yeah that i was acting in one of them was this really sick film called the hand of the creator and this other one was this other film which i won't mention the name of because i'm gonna slander the shit out of it okay <laughs> but like the hand of the creator didn't come out for whatever reason and my brother's film did come out and yeah. i was really happy with it and then the other film came out and I wasn't happy with it. And okay. kind of after that experience, a year and a half, three feature films, just acting, I was like, oh, I have zero control over any of this. It doesn't yeah. matter what I shoot on set, acting wise. That film that I thought was amazing that I did this epic performance in will never see the light of day. Yeah. This film that I thought I did quite well in is not a good film. Yeah. And my brother's film took six years to come out in cinemas and it's come out now literally now but it's it took six years this is a feature feature right so i think i was kind of like uh when i started directing i was like oh i have total i'm in control it's probably yeah. a control thing but then also i think as i got older i was like i don't really want to bear my soul in this in the way that you do with acting anymore like i want to be creative and i want to make stuff and i want to connect with people through you know being vulnerable with my emotions and my life experience but I don't want to get in front of a camera with 50 people in the room in my underwear and cry yeah. like I don't fucking want to do that anymore you know like yeah. I don't need that I want to like if I need to cry I want to do it in my bedroom when no one can see me mm -hmm. um and I think I just grew out of needing to have that expression through acting so are you done with that side of things then? I'm not going to say I'm done because I'm not done. Yeah. I just want to do projects that I either totally trust the people who are making it yeah. or myself. Okay. Perfect. Hello, sorry to interrupt in the middle of this insightful conversation, which I'm enjoying, I'm sure, just as much as you are. But I need to give you guys a little reminder. Uh, if you like this conversation, this episode, if you like balancing acts in general, then please do subscribe to us, rate and review us because it makes the world of difference. And the more reviews we get, the more rates we get, the more people can discover the podcast and we can make it go viral, whatever that means. Okay, back to the chat. When you're not writing and directing, what do you do for your downtime? I run. How often do you do that? 
Every other day. Do you? Yeah. How long for? 25 to 30 minutes. Feel good for it? So good. You, what time of day do you go running? Evening. Do you? Yeah, when it's okay. dark out. Okay. Why does it just sort of like feels more moody? I don't like that. I think I look weird when I run and I don't want people to see me in it. I don't know. Is that the reason? Me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. I like doing my exercise in the morning because it like releases endorphins. Yeah, but also good. you like working out and doing press-ups in the middle of the pavement. So I think we're I different personalities on no, that one. Yeah, but people aren't going to be able to... Uh, we had a conversation before we started right. this podcast. and yeah, I was explain telling, yourself. I was telling Emily about my new morning routine and how when I wake up, the first thing I do is go for a run and it's still dark. And then I end up doing press-ups and sit-ups on the corner of the street. Yeah. And I feel like Rocky Balboa. Yeah, he said. In Rocky. the dark. Yeah. Right. Okay, so it's still dark. Yeah, because it's like five, it's oh, quarter past five. yeah, I didn't even, that's not an hour for me, so I wouldn't know what colour this Yeah, I've is. only just, this is a new thing for me. I just started over the last couple of weeks. And as I was saying to you before, that's why by 3pm, I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> I've had about five power naps. What am I doing with my life? <laughs> yeah, so running. Running, okay, that's the thing. Um, what else do I do with my time besides work? Yeah, what do you do to like? What do you do to unwind? What like? Because sometimes when you're in the thick of it, as much as it is an enjoyable and you know highly creative job and career, it's also pretty intense, especially when you're. Because there's two types. There's two either way. I see. There's like the writing side of it, which can be quite solitary mm. until you've got like a team there, whether it be like a production company or EP or someone, you're going back and forth with notes unless you're co-writing with someone. And then when you go into the shoot or pre-production with your DOP or whatever, it becomes much more collaborative. Mm. So like how, first of all, okay, on the writing side of things, do you like the solitary nature of it? Yes. I, when I first started writing, spent, I just wrote from home and that was madness. Like I went cr- crazy. Yeah, that seems to be a common theme with writers. Yeah, hysterical. Yeah. Like people would come back in the evenings and I'd, be, I'd I'd just be hysterical at them. Yeah. So I then started writing out and I'm totally into the being in a crowded place and being able to write. I don't need silence so, to think. Mm. Um, and that helped. Yeah. But it's still solitary even if you're in a room full of people writing. But I like yeah. that. I don't really like, I mean, I don't really socialize. So. <laughs> well, you, you do socialize. <laughs> You don't socialize. I don't really socialize, with, so you you've got a like a tight group of friends that I made when I was fourteen. In fact, <laughs> you've made so many friends since you made <laughs> since I was eight years old. That the group of friends I have is more or less that's from it? my childhood. And no, 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 not that's it. There's like ten other people. Ten others. Okay. Yeah, so all in all, I'd say I have 25 friends. 10, 25 is a good amount. No, I lied. It's more 16. <laughs> you just go from 25 to 16. I wanted it to be, but it's realistically, it's 10 yeah, But then 15. you're focusing on quality rather than quantity, <laughs> well, which is important, yeah. yeah. I think. Yeah. It, it's, you know, you want to have friends that you can... Uh, Depend on. Yeah, I was going to quote a line from Cheers. Please do. I can't remember the line <laughs> from the theme tune. <laughs> You want to go where everybody knows your name. But that's referring to a bar rather than a group of friends. Yeah. That's but still, a you want your drunk man song. No, that's true. But still, you want your friends to remember your name. <laughs> well, and perhaps if you had, if you had 
quantity over quality, they might not even remember your name. No. So you're like, oh, I've got 50 friends. Yeah. But only 16 of them remember my name. Yeah. Sad. Yeah, sad. That would be awful. It'd be really bad. I don't want that. No. And I don't find, I don't find so socializing to be, you know, for example. Yes. And I keep bringing up the same people and that's because I have five friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Alex, she draws a lot of energy from being around lots of people yeah. and socializing. Yeah. I have the opposite. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I should really be spending my time. What I should do really is go like, this is my work days. These are my days off. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out into the world and I don't have to see people, but like I should go and experience stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then have the work time. But what I actually end up doing is feeling like every single day I should be working some days not working and feeling really guilty about it. And then spending days where I'm I'm just going from my house to where uh, like a coffee shop where I work and back to my house again and just seeing my fiance. Yeah, so that is how I felt up mm. till last year, and then I started this new routine this yeah. year. And because it's like so much more structured now, because I'm starting earlier, I feel I've lost that sense of guilt. So long as I'm like sticking roughly to that Monday to Friday, I feel like I'm getting my work in. I'm like, oh, I can actually not have to worry about not working over the weekend you know the other thing as well for me is and i don't know if you think the same it's like after i left a normal job whatever that is yeah let's say just a normal nine to five job mm. i like there was this thing in me is like oh i i'm not gonna like follow convention and like work monday to friday like my, weekend isn't necessarily the weekend for me i could work on the weekend and then like i could have a day off on friday mm. you know and you know, it's like some bizarre logic there. Exciting. You're always like, yeah, you know, like you, you Breaking feel like, you, yeah, you're, I'm a creative or whatever. I'm yeah. a freelancer, that freelance life. But after a while, you know, the, the majority of your friends do work during the week and have the weekends off. So socially, that's not ideal. But there's also something, I think there's a reason why this like five day and then the weekend yeah. thing is structured the way it is. Yeah. Because it gives you an opportunity to like, focus on during the week yeah and then have the weekend to just enjoy stuff it's only now that i'm finally realizing that so yeah like this year maybe it's like also it's the start of a new year like new year new me but i'm like trying to like plan weekend stuff in advance Yeah, i think that's really good but it also is bloody time consuming yeah well it's exhausting especially the time you're getting up it's exhausting but that's the problem about being single is that um (laughs) no it is because like i have to like you have to you have to be the one to make an effort to arrange social situations with people. Otherwise, you could not see anyone. Yeah, I could yeah. go past a whole, and I have yeah. many times. <laughs> <laughs> I've literally been Months inside a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, I've forgotten how to speak. That's awful. <laughs> genuinely looks yeah. at me with concern. One of my biggest fears. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, no, I think that's really good. I think that's really good and definitely something I want to do. I didn't have that. Okay. I didn't, I didn't, um, my parents, my whole life, my understanding of what it is to work has been like, you work 24 hours a day, seven days a week as a creative. That's what you do. When you say your parents, what, not. because your parents are the same, you mean? Well, yeah, because my parents work together and they, in the creative industry, and that's what they did. And right. our whole lives were s- centered around that work schedule and ethic okay my entire life so it's going to be born. drilled into you like yeah that, right? yeah yeah makes so, sense so and i had n- i never intended to go to university 
I always wanted to do acting. So I was like, I'm always going to have that kind of lifestyle where it's like you work super hard and you do it. Otherwise, it's not going to pay off and you have nothing to fall back on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's hard to like once you get into that like groove, it's it's difficult to get out of that and change it. Like, yeah. It takes a lot of effort to change that mindset yeah. and mentality. But obviously then that, you know, the flip side, that's the sort of thing, that's your drive and that's what's, mm got you to where you where you're at now yeah where you're basically sitting here on this incredible podcast yeah living the dream there you go living the effing dream mm-hmm. um my friend <laughs> my, my other friend, friend. <laughs> my, my 15th friend he said my, that I'm the best person my, ever. my third friend mel yes once said to me when i was living with her yeah that about unproductive productivity Go on. And that's always stayed with me, was like she noticed that I was working all the time, but not actually getting anything done. So I was like sitting down to write and then just like either not writing good stuff that was worth anything or just kind of distracting myself. Yeah. And like what you're saying, I think, I think that's, that's what I, I managed to get running in as like a regimented thing. I incorporated that. And so the next thing I would do is go like five days a week, weekend, I can relax. And then I work, unless okay. I'm on a project, in which case I'll work around the clock. Yeah, I, I can totally relate to that. Because, uh, that's why I'm trying to do this thing at the moment where like an hour, 10 minute break, hour, 10 minute break, because, you know, then it's like focused, ideally. Sometimes like you, if I've got something on, it will just go on for like three hours, the whatever I'm working on. But it's never going to be as, it's probably not going to be as focused work as it would be if it's like, if it's shorter bursts. Mm. I mean, I... T- I wrote my first feature by, and this is where I went a bit mental in my house, but I'd wake up, muck around till like 11 and then write until eight. And I could do where I would write nonstop except for eating and just blast out pages. And what I realized was like, actually in that context, it did work for me because then the second draft was like finessing it, but I was actually just getting it out. Yeah. And I think for some people, they, they, come in at the first draft a lot more detailed yeah and then they you know go from there whereas I just needed to get it onto paper to know that I have those pages yeah and then start spending the like good time yeah it's like the first the first draft is sort of like it's like you're just shitting it out onto the page mm-hmm. it's just like whatever just get it out it doesn't matter what it is yeah. it doesn't matter how rubbish it is yeah get out and then start refining it I, yeah. I'm the same and so like the, the thing that I have changed now is that when I used to start, like, say, on a first draft, it would be, like, I'd just, like, stop writing dialogue, etc. all that. Whereas now I'm much more, uh, I'll take a lot more time developing the characters mm. before I even start doing any of that. Yeah. But, like, when I first started and I didn't know what the hell I was doing, it would just be literally, and he said. Yeah. And then she said. Yeah. And then, like, the next thing I know, that's how I write all my sitcoms. Did you not know that? All my What are you scripts. writing where you're just writing he said and then... How is anyone supposed to know what their line is? Listen, <laughs> it's it's innovative. It's very innovative, I've been told, by oh my, my four-year-old nephew. Oh. Niece. Niece. Oops. I uh, know. <laughs> the worst. I didn't have to correct myself. No one would have known. Ever. I knew. You knew. Yeah, but I wouldn't have called you out, bro. I uh, had my, I had my nephew's one-year-old birthday party last weekend. Why are you shaking your head like that? <laughs> do you actually have a nephew? As yes, well? yes, I do. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not making it up. Not. Why would I make that up? Um, I'm not. 
I had I had his one year old birthday. And how was it? Well, in that week leading up to it, like, I put a reminder in my phone every day, and I'm usually really good at this, but I put a reminder in my phone. Get. Um, <laughs> Oops! You don't know his name. That was not what I was. That was not what the pause was for. I'm going to edit that bit out. <laughs> I put I put a reminder in my phone. Get Jack birthday present every day, every day. But I had one of those weeks where it was just like crazy, crazy busy. And then the birthday party was on Sunday. So I was like, Sunday morning, I'm going to do it. And I ended up like writing for like three, four hours. And and then I looked at the WhatsApp group and my sister had put in it. that She said, can't wait to see you all. Uh, no presents. All we require is your presence. Yeah. So I read that. I was like, well, you know, well, maybe it doesn't matter. And I was trying to convince myself it did matter. I hadn't got my nephew, you know, his first birthday, I hadn't got my present. I was like, you know, she said that, so it's not the end of the world. I'll get a present at a latter stage, as in the next couple of days after the party. And I went in there and I arrived 20 minutes late and, and opened the door. And the first thing my sister's uh, partner did was she uh, she shooted her direction in my hat to my hands to see if I had a present. You know, you can, I could just see straight away yeah. her, her eyeline was like straight away. And I was just like, you know, I said to my, I said to him, like, you can't put down on a WhatsApp, no presents. Yeah. No presents necessary if really what you're meaning is you better fucking bring the presents. Yeah. Listen, my opinion, you did the right thing. Not getting the present. Yeah. For one, I don't want to one-year-olds him. don't know what's going on. They don't. Hey, that's the present in there. I've now got Ooh. a present. <laughs> I am going to get one. In a, a drum. In, in this... It's a drum. Oh, it's a drum. Yeah, it's like okay. a, you know, like a... That would be good. And it's also a boyment to your sister and her partner. Yeah. Because... I, I, I just want to... I said to myself that I'm only going to get them like musical presents, yeah. like creative stuff, or like for my niece now... Kicking the teeth. My niece now... Yeah, kicking teeth. <laughs> my niece now who's four, I'm going to take her out instead of getting a present. That's getting nice. experience. Memories. You're buying her memories. Her. memories. She cried all the way through the last time, but you know... <sighs> It's a memory. There we go. I don't know how we got onto this. How did I get onto this? Um, one year old. No, I don't know. No, I don't know. How I don't we, know. I'll, I'll listen back and then it'll be... Oh, okay. Are you an auntie? Yeah. How old is yours? Um, five. Ah, uh, you don't know. <laughs> yes. And what is their There's name? two. I know their name. Go on. But one of them's called Bart and the other one's called... This is just because I'm panicking right now. This is like, this break mm-hmm. is because I'm panicking right mm-hmm. now. Luke. Luke, okay. Are you, are you close to that? And Maya. And Maya, of she's course. She's new. She's a newbie. She's out. Oh, okay. Fine. That doesn't really count then, does it? Yeah. Are you a good auntie? Do you see them often? You know, with Bart, I was when he was younger. And then I we saw fell him out. a lot. <laughs> and then he grew up and spoke back and I was like, well, this is over. No. And then, and then he started going to nursery and I was going back between America and I, we just stopped doing the routine of seeing each other. Um, and then... When you say you stopped the routine of seeing each other, how, how old is Bart? <laughs> how old is Bart? Around five. So, so, so that there wasn't much onus of Bart to come and arrange <laughs> to see you. You basically stopped seeing Bart. Let's be, let's be clear about that. We stopped seeing each other. It's <laughs> terrible. No, it's something that I feel incredibly guilty about. Yeah. Um, Luke, I see a fair amount because he's sort of still with my sister all the time. So whenever I have coffee with my sister, Luke's about, he's cute. Okay. My niece, Maya, I have seen her twice in her life because my eldest brother 
is a uh, focus puller on films and he's pretty much never in London and I don't necessarily know his partner well enough to just I mean I could these are fucking excuses I'm sure yeah. she would see me these are all excuses and also my my fiance's nephew yeah I see him once a week okay well without that's fault that's good right but it's good yeah. But it's also very bad, isn't it? Because it's your fiance side. Well, yeah, but like I've, I, I mean, he's my, I love him to death. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. Why I see Ralph more than. Well, are you are you close with your siblings? Like I'm close with my siblings. They're my half siblings. Okay. I love them very much. Yeah. But I guess what it is is that Casper, my fiance, and his sister. Are super tight. Yeah, so you, you end so up spending a lot like, of time with them. Yeah, they, I see. I used to see Cosy anyway all the time. Would you have your brother as a focus puller on one of your shoots? I have had on Frankie and Emma. Oh, he was okay. He was on it. How was that? Brilliant. He's the He's most good. incredible guy. That's good. He's honestly an addition to every single shoot in the world. He's professional. He's cool. He's kind. He's very good at what he does. For the sake of transparency, I would like to inform the listener that uh, Emily is also his agent doesn't fucking need an agent that's how that's good, how good he, is. he is okay great i'll have to bear him in mind yeah does he also so does he go by seal jones no so he's got my dad's name sasha jones his sasha name's jones, jones. Yeah. okay so he's covert yeah he's covert okay all right so i would like to actually one more question i'm gonna ask you one more question before i move to wrap things up um social media Oof. Uh, what are your thoughts on the use of it? For work purposes. I have never used it for work purposes. Do you not use it for work? I have never used it for work. You do some funny, some funny posts on Instagram. <laughs> some funny posts. I'm getting the vibe that it's not funny. Ha ha. And more funny. <laughs> That's, I know. That's what you're giving off. I no. I feel like you. You don't like my Instagram, so don't not, follow me, you it's dick. No, I don't like them. No, because I really enjoy leaving sarcastic comments mm-hmm. underneath. Um, that I know you probably secretly get annoyed about. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, no, it's, I feel like you're a funny person. Yeah. You're a funny person, but you choose. You purposely choose not to post anything funny. Funny. That's really interesting that you would say that because I think they're really funny. <laughs> Because I wouldn't, I guess I, yeah, I, I've never, you see, funny to me is more like people reactioning together. This conversation we are having. (laughs) She's gone into caveman mode again. Is like. That's when I can totally be like, yeah, we're having a conversation, it's right. jokes. So as in, it's natural, whereas um, something like doing an Instagram would feel more forced. Well, I, it's just like, it's not even that it's forced, but like, what am I going to say? Well, I don't know. I mean, Do you know, like I draw a dick on my arm and I'm like, check out my dick. Sure. <laughs> Is that sure. what you want to see? Because sure. that's the kind yeah. of shit I'd post. Yeah, if I, was, I, I, would, you know. I would give you a ha-ha for that. Okay. Yeah, I'd give you a ha-ha. Well... I just use it. I use it just to fuck around. Yeah, 
but who's but that you know you it's know not what? like I've got thousands of followers, so it's obviously yeah. not working. But is it? you know, you are doing. You are more. You are falling under the sort of brand category. You are. You're, Why is that? Well, because you in person mm-hmm. is totally synonymous with you on Instagram. You are completely. You know, you do the Instagram. funnies. You're doing the work that you put out on into the world. Part of it is happening on Instagram. I'm just sort of taking selfies. Yes, yeah, didn't that's kind of where I was but going. But you know why? Why? Because people like following people who take selfies. Yeah. And all that's I true. want is people to, to follow, follow me. me. <laughs> <So> <laughs> to get validation. Have some kind of self-esteem. <laughs> it's not funny. Okay, do you, <laughs> do you get anxious when you post and uh, you might not get many likes in uh, ever the first hour or something like that? No. And also, so it I barely get any likes. So it doesn't really affect you that much in terms of like mental health or anything like that? No. No, okay. No, if I was, I think if I was depending on it for work, it's totally separate to my work. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, I've, I've never got work through it. I don't put really my work up there. Although I guess I do when like something good happens. Yeah. Um, I get like on a good day, 20 likes for a photo. Okay. And then I have followers and it's like, I don't know. Why they don't engage with me? Is it something that I'm doing wrong? I just a note to all of Emily's followers: please up the engagement, Auntie. You know what? This conversation is making me want to delete my Instagram. Is it? So <laughs> okay, we'll time. move on. We'll move on. We'll move on. No, it's just uh, I always ask guests what their relationship is with social media because it's a big thing in what we're doing. You know, like yeah. or we, we're led to believe that we should be doing X amount of it. and But then it's like horses for courses. Like a, a perfect example is you frown when I said that. That's the same. Horses for courses is a thing. Is the thing. Okay. No, it's what, what would be the equivalent of that? What would be like another saying? I don't know what it means, so I couldn't help you on that. It means, you know, what's right for me might not be right for you. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. And what I mean, what I mean by that, if you look at like Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who's yeah. super successful, she's not on social media at all. Oh yeah, she's not on Twitter or Instagram, so it's it's kind of like it's what we choose to think we 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 should be doing. We don't yeah. have to be on those platforms, but we feel like oh, the thing to do is to do that. We have to promote ourselves, yeah. but that's not necessarily true. Like we can choose. My old acting agency told me that if I wanted to be able to go do work and auditions in America, I needed to have at least three thousand followers, and I spent a summer getting those followers right. by following people and then unfollowing them at you know yeah. on a daily basis yeah. the whole thing was very stressful because um, then you have to look like you're not following as many people as are following yeah. you and all this yeah. shit and then I left that agency and it didn't help at all it didn't help at all and actually they just didn't have the contacts to sort it out yeah um, and then my Instagram became because I love photographs and like I love visuals I love aesthetic shit became about like something between like an ego thing of taking selfies and then like oh I like the look of this or I've taken this photograph and I want to put that up there and have like a whole palette of shit that I like the look of including my face um and and so that's kind of what it's been for me well then like almost like uh subconsciously when you say sort of like a palette that is almost uh, maybe that is the director side of you coming out a little bit possibly but you know what else steve if we're being completely honest sound like, it sounds like you're getting angry now 
I'm angry with myself. Go on. I'm angry with myself. I think ultimately I get that joy, what you're talking about, the director side of like what I could it that comes through my work. Yeah. And actually Instagram is just about my ego. Yeah, and actually it makes me feel like of shit. Of course it's but that that comes with the territory. That comes with the territory. Yeah, but then I, if I'm not getting anything from it then and it's not of helping. It. Get rid of it. You know what? Yeah. We've, we've, I've, we've reached a breakthrough for you. I wish I'm I... not going to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, yes, I've had a really positive impact here on Emily's yeah, life. Yeah, you haven't. No, okay, okay. Maybe I'll delete it. Whose? Yours. <laughs> no, I, I would like to... I, I, it's just, it's time-wasting. It's like... It's just a waste of fucking time. When you look back at your life, yeah, you're in your deathbed and you think back the amount of time you spent on this thing. Not even, I'm not talking about just posting, scrolling, liking, whatever the fuck it is. It's such a load of bullshit. Unless you are someone that's making a career from it. I'm not, neither of us are social media people in that respect. It is bullshit and I do struggle with it in that respect. But, I will say at the same time, there are, it's all, a lot of it is about who you follow, right? So the, some of the people that I follow, I find really funny. So, yeah. you know, I get joy, I guess, out from that respect or inspirational stuff. Yeah. So there are positive, it's not, it's not all negative, no. but uh, it's definitely, you know, a phenomenon right now that is causing a lot of mental health issues. I mean, we know it's, this isn't, I'm not saying anything that people don't know. Yeah. Um, but particularly if you are doing the kind of career that we are, you're led, you're led to believe, or you convince yourself that this. Oh yeah, it's very important for you to be on your yeah. career. I might delete my Instagram account. My mental health issues did not come from social media, but I might delete it anyway. Because you know what? Maybe you have changed my mind, Steve. Yes. Only time will tell. Is it because I dissed? <laughs> is because I dissed your Instagram profile? <laughs> Partly because he does my it's Instagram. Not, is, it? is it really? No. I, okay, good. Because no, I was just all. joking. I was no, just joking. I know. Yeah. No. Okay, good, good. Um, yeah, God, being sincere now for a little bit. Oh, God. Um, okay, so let's wrap this up. This has been very fun. Have you enjoyed yourself? Uh, good. That's what, that's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. Fantastic. We have to get you back on again soon. No, I really did enjoy myself. Um, so one question I ask all the guests uh, to wrap things up is what does the idea of balance mean to you or not does such a thing to you exist and if, if not is there something is what would you like it to be balance is good I don't have it I've never had it <laughs> I, I want it so badly <laughs> I'm here for you. Well, first we'll get rid of your Instagram account and then uh, we'll get you doing press-ups and sit-ups at five in the morning. And we go full Rocky. Yeah, I'll go full Rocky. Okay, well, I think, uh, you know, that's that's a nice takeaway for people to... Uh, people will get something from that. Um, thank you, Emily. Thank now, you, Now, ironically, I'm going to ask you, where can people find out more about you? Can they follow you anywhere? <laughs> For a limited time, you can follow me on Instagram. <laughs> okay, which is? Emily Seal Jones. But honestly... Yeah, she's getting rid of it. Website? You got a website? 
I do, but there's nothing on there. Okay. I mean, <laughs> it's emilysealjoins.com. Okay, fine, fine. So that's that's the, the place. Why you watch my series? Is there, there we go. Series. That's, that's actually if you're going to do anything. Series, series is a word. Yeah, series, yeah, big time. Series is. Series is. Series is. Okay. Watch them. Where 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 can where can they find your series? If you just type in Emily, uh, Frankie and Emma onto YouTube. Yeah. Or and Frankie is Frankie as in Frankie I E, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Or Husk, which is my short film. And that's on Vimeo. And that's on Vimeo. And Brunch Bitches, which is on Funny or Die. Funny or Die. Okay. Emily Seal Jones. Steve Whiteley. Thank you very much. <laughs> and to you. All the best. Ta-ra. <laughs> Perfect. Fun time chat, huh? It was a good one. It was a good one. I think there's lots to take from that. Really, what it comes down to is in terms of, you know, deciding what you want to do career-wise, you know, Emma's a great example of someone who just decided, right, you know what? I'm going to go out there and be a writer-director. And she just, she just did it. She just found a way to make it happen, you know, from doing the Kickstarter campaign. There's way around of doing things. If you really want to go ahead and do something or be something, you're not going to wait for someone to to let you do it or tell or give you the opportunity you've got to go out and create it and that's exactly what she's done and now she's in this you know this great position she's got lots of momentum and she's had commissions and i'm sure she's gonna go on and do even greater things including this uh, funny or die sketch it's got nothing to do with me being in it but i'm sure I'm sure that will help. No, I'm, I'm joking, obviously. I'm joking. I felt there that I was being very genuine and supportive of her, like in certain moments in that podcast. So I had to sort of, I sort of had to balance it with a little bit of, a little bit of insincerity there or, or sort of uh, 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 some, an egotistical element on my part. Anyway, let's not go, uh, let's not get over analytical, shall we? But yes, I, I think, you know, that's, uh, it's, it's, it's good to, to listen and hear people's stories like this. And so, you know, you can, you can figure out how, how they went about getting to where they've got to and um, hopefully take, take something from it and, uh, and apply it to your own journey. And uh, whether that journey's on the train, um, in rush hour, whatever journey it might be, just apply it and, and, and do whatever needs to be done. Don't go overboard. Yeah, there's no, you, don't, you, don't, you don't want to sort of kill anyone to get to where you want to get to. You can kill in terms of you're on stage. Obviously, you can kill on stage. That's great. But let's not try and do anything untoward. Let's try and let's try and be an upstanding citizen. You know, let's love all beings. Love all love all beings. Love ourselves first. This is the issue, isn't it? In the world today, is that without loving ourselves, how can we love others and and give our gifts out into the world? Yeah, I don't know. Don't know where this came from, but we're here now. This is where we're at right now. Um, so yes thank you for listening as always and uh, if you haven't done please do subscribe and rate and review the podcast it's getting it's getting some nice we're getting some nice rates and reviews it's very nice to see on the on the apple podcast bit so um sounds very technical in the, the apple podcast bit uh so yes if you haven't done please do do that and uh, and spread the word and, and let everybody know that this is the place to uh to come <laughs> And, and hear about creatives finding a sense of balance or not in their life and breaking down their creative process. And, I, you know, you already know what it is. I don't know. I don't need to. I don't need to highlight that for you. Anyway, uh, that's all from me. 
be lucky. Balancing Acts is now made in association with the Comedy Crowd, who are a website and community that support independent comedy creators such as myself. I have a Comedy Crowd short, which is a, a two-minute video one of my characters on their website. They showcase the best new videos on Comedy Crowd TV, which is comedycrowdtv.com, and across media platforms, so do go and check them out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.